welcome. I'm Connor Beaton, and this is The Man Talk Show. This podcast brings together some of the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Uh, Joining me today is Joe or Joseph Sheehy and uh, his partner, Lo Bondi. And uh, Joe is the uh, is the founder of Cured Nutrition, and he's got a very uh, interesting background as a bodybuilder. Uh, and Cured Nutrition really is out to make a, a massive impact in health and wellness. It's uh, really focusing on wellness rooted in nature, and uh, their slogan is uh, "We'll heal you from the inside out." So they focus pretty heavily on on CBD. Um, and CBD related products and uh, and the benefits of CBD. So um, Joe and Lo, uh, they have a, a podcast called the Joe Lo uh, Experience. And uh, Joe and Lo join me today and we talk about their relationship. We talk about being uh, a modern day couple and a couple that uh, works together, a couple that lives together and some of the ups and downs that they've had throughout their experience. It's very real, very raw. They are very open about the challenges that they faced as a couple and the things that have allowed them to grow stronger together. Uh, and then towards the end, we talk about the cannabis industry and we talk about some of the benefits of things like CBD and how the cannabis industry is un- unfolding. Uh, and Joe shares some really, uh, really profound insight into the benefits of some of these products and why things like CBD oil and vape and uh, you know, bomb and, and this kind of stuff are starting to really take off and can have benefits with uh, sleep and can have benefits with recovery from the gym and just a whole wide usage. And so he kind of gets into the the science behind it, which is really interesting. So without any further delay, please welcome Joe and Lo and a little bit about Cured Nutrition. Shazam! <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> All right. Jolo. <laughs> I like, I really just love that. So joining me, joining me today on the Men Talk Show are Joe and Lo. Do you want to just introduce yourself really quick? You'll have, yeah, they'll have just listened to like your bio and my take on this, sure. but, but give them a little howdy doody. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for, thanks first of all for having us here. I'm, I'm Joe Sheehy. I am the co-founder and CEO of Cured Nutrition, which I'm sure we'll dive on a little bit. But uh, I'm a, a man on a journey, learning myself every single day and trying to become a little bit better with every step I take and, and be as conscious as possible. Nice. You're pretty great. Trying. Yeah. Thanks I'm... to you. <laughs> <laughs> as we have talked about. Oh, yeah. We got some couple. We got some couple love on here. We do. I see how it is. We this is do. great. I'm Lo Bondi for now. I will be a she-he pretty soon here. And I am a women's trauma coach and a writer. That's my passion. Awesome. Yeah. How'd you two meet? <laughs> you, you're just probing here. We have an ammunition, <laughs> just instantaneously. So, Juicy detail. Yeah, we met through. Welcome, welcome to the Man <laughs> <Yeah>. Talk Show. <laughs> you're on my couch. Where too. everything's on the Yeah, yeah. You're, true. They're literally sitting on my couch in New York as we speak. So, <laughs> so it's and I'm in a chair removed. So it's kind of like it's kind like, of like I'm doing couples therapy yep. right now. Yep. Oh, this is. Funny. We're in. You We're might, strapped in. You might be in here. We met yeah. through. We met through my ex fiance. Okay. Um, years ago, and and went our, went our own ways. Obviously, I'm not in that relationship anymore. 
that relationship came to an end and I didn't know if I, we should be in each other's life. I wasn't sure if she was still friends with my ex fiance and had a crazy connection when we met years and years ago and never, I think we both felt it, but we never. It was a, a subconscious connection though, because at the time we barely even spoke when we met the night we met, we probably exchanged a total of three sentences we were more so interacting with the rest of the people in our group. And when I was invited out to their engagement party a couple months later, again, we didn't talk much, but I think we also knew that we were of the same kind, that we were cut from the same fabric and we had this deeper understanding. And when we did go our separate ways and she and I were no longer friends and you two had broken off your engagement and you finally reached out just to check in and see how I was doing. I think it was kind of our go ahead to start figuring out what that connection really was. But again, it wasn't until how many months later after you reached out, did we actually... Seven, eight months, something yeah. like that. When I first met you, I, was, I looked at her and I was like... She's dangerous because she is, she is what I had always envisioned me spending my entire life with. But then when it happened, I was like, well, I can't like, I can't do anything about that. Uh -huh. She's extremely beautiful. I don't even talk to her and I feel her. I feel her consciousness. And well, I'm in a trapped relationship and this is the way I'm going because I've made these decisions and it was a mess of a life for me for a while. And, uh, and now we're here. Now yeah. we're here years and years later. I think we honestly, we just had some growing up to do individually yeah. before we could come back together and grow as a couple. Mm. How did you navigate the waters when you did get together? Mm. Mm. Cause you were obviously like, there was some friend circle stuff and like we, we went through this, uh, you know, Vienna and I went through this in, in all honesty is like, she was in our, like in my friend circle. Uh, and she, do you know, Mark Rose, mm -hmm. great yeah. love. Yeah. So he's the reason why, why we're together. Like he's a close friend of mine and close friend of hers. And we had spoken at a conference together, you know, this is ages ago, but we spoke at a conference together and I was just coming out of a relationship. Like it literally just ended. And she was also friends with Mark and a whole bunch of of people. And so everyone kind of knew Vienna and like months later when we started dating, it was like, you know, really interesting to navigate those waters. Cause it, for us, it, it was not seven months. It was like two months later. Mm -hmm. It was like, we, we both kind of knew, like I knew instantaneously. Um, so how did you navigate the friend circles? We didn't, besides the fiance, we had no friend circles. We were living mm. in two different States. So yeah. we met, when we were in Vegas at a bodybuilding competition, which we both used to do and have happily moved far away from. We were addicted to external validation. We were very much so. It's the truth. Hey, you do that? Me yeah. too. Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's just what the podcast can be called. Yeah. <laughs> Eliminating external validation. Yeah. 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 It's the truth. Um, but we didn't have any meshing friend circles. Mm. And when... I moved to Colorado. I think we just knew that, I mean, we never even had the conversation. I landed in Colorado. I didn't have a community yet there. And I was moving to create a new life for myself, to go to grad school, to figure out who I was and start to experiment and explore. And you were there. 
And that also became fertile ground for us to explore a relationship. And we just dove in. Mm. Yeah. It's been a ride, that's for sure. We were we were kicking and screaming and pushing and oh yeah. In the beginning, like yes, four days into her being in Colorado or ten days, sorry, we went to a concert and that was we were like, oh Mm. shit! Like she goes, what did you say? Do you ever do you ever think about what it would be like to meet the person, your person? And she turns and looks to me, and I go, yeah this and she goes yeah and then we didn't say anything else for like five minutes because we were both like oh shit, shit. like <laughs> what that means and it's been it's been a road since then connor we've we've gone through some shit we faced our shadows we've um and broken are still facing them and are still facing them and we've broken and we've we've had ruptures and we've come back together and and We've talked a lot. We've communicated a lot. We have talked. We need to talk. (laughs) Today's couple's talk, not man talk. Okay. All right. That's good. That's good. So when you say that it's been a road, what does that that mean? Because I think most couples would say like, yeah, Yeah. we've been on a bit of a journey. So like maybe without getting, like we don't need to go too far into it. Probably the whole show won't be about this, but I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we had about a month and a half of the, the honeymoon stage, except it was a honeymoon stage where we were both semi-avoidant. And then going into the relationship, we had opposite attachment styles. So him coming from the preoccupied, anxious side, me coming from the severe avoidance side, Mm. and almost immediately falling into that vulnerability trap and pushing each other's buttons and triggers. And there was that. I also relapsed with my eating disorder Mm. and my PTSD. So then we add in this compulsivity component to it. And we were also both rescuers. So then there's the codependency. And we just had this melting pot of unhealthy dynamics happening. But we also stayed by each other's sides. And while things started to get really messy, which the mess involved me leaving grad school, it involved me leaving the state, it involved me going to treatment, it involved Joe going back to a therapist that he worked with years prior. Things got really messy, but we started having more and more conversations about it. And we were both willing to look at everything, to learn, to examine what our own patterns were, where our responsibility was in the relationship and with what was happening, and where our responsibility was with our own healing. Mm. And we loved Don Miguel Ruiz, so the mastery of love and looking at how we could take ownership of our own halves to really heal our whole together. And over the past year and a half, it's been, you know, you, you walk through one door and you close it and then there's another battle to face and it's been fairly consistent, but communication and loving each other hard and waking up every day, knowing that we get to learn how to love each other even better. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah. Codependent checking in over here. (laughs) That was a massive trap for me in the fall. And Uh it was like seeing her struggling with something like, like having the PTSD and then relapsing in her eating disorder and me having no fucking clue what to do or how to support besides 
basically abandoning myself and being, okay, well, if I can do this and that and why, and like, I'm doing all these things, like, why isn't that enough? And when she, what she really needed was, dude, just sit there and love her mm-hmm. and say, you're not, and, and just, and just be, and I didn't know what, I didn't know what that meant. Right. But at the time, how did that feel? I was like, that's, that's, I don't, I don't know. I feel like that's not enough. Like you're going to leave me. I feel like I'm going to still be abandoned if I'm not trying to control something, if I'm not doing something that makes me feel like I have worth, Mm -hmm. which for me was like enabling, fixing, fixing, whatever it may be, then the list goes on and on, then I'm not enough and she's going to leave me rather than, okay, if I just sit here and be patient and and trust Mm -hmm. and understand that she's doing her work and on the other side of that, like if it's meant to be, like she's going to be there. Yeah. Fuck. (laughs) That was so distant when we were going through this. Like I I was, I was, I, I lost myself when she relapsed, I completely lost myself. And I think a big piece of that, we touched on it in the last podcast, but the performance piece and you wanting to perform as the masculine partner, you wanting to fix, you wanting to make everything better. And when you realized that it wasn't about how well you could perform, it wasn't about how well you could fix, it wasn't about engineering the problem and simply about being that made you start to doubt your own worth and then that's when you really started to lose yourself because you fell into this thinking trap of well if I'm not performing well enough then what am I doing Mm -hmm. I mean I was at the highest of a high I had built a very very successful company very quickly I was like, I, I got all the things. I can check all the boxes. And now I have the girl, right? I have the beautiful girl that I've always wanted. And well, fuck, none of that's working. <laughs> that was like, I thought that that was the answer. And when I realized that wasn't the answer, it was a whole paradigm shift for me. It was like mm. everything that I ever thought was making me who I am and making me a value. Well, that's wrong. And I just like was like, wow, like. I'm an engineer. I like engineer by trade. I I solve problems. Like that's who I am. And I can't figure out this problem. Mm -hmm. It was a mess. Mm -hmm. It was a mess. It's like that. It's like the happiness illusion, right? It's like happiness Mm -hmm. is just on the other side of me attaining X, Y, or Z and we attain it. And suddenly, you know, the marker moves or we, you know, we reach the summit and all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, this actually isn't it, <laughs> you know, yeah. or, or we reach the summit and like things are just a little bit messier than we expected it to be once we get up there. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. So how did you navigate that as a, as a couple? Because you have, on what, because this is a very common thing, yeah. right? Like I think the dynamic yeah. that you're sharing is a very common thing of like one partner struggling, the other one's trying to fix. Yeah. They don't know how to fix. And all of a sudden the, their purpose or their functionality as a partner comes into question. All they want to do is help the other person with whatever's going on. How did you navigate that, those waters? Like who leaned in where? Oh. Like what did you, what did you have to lean into, Lo? I had to lean into trusting that I could actually feel unconditional love Mm. because I didn't, I had no framework for that. I didn't think that I could ever experience unconditional love. And so I had so many masks that I fastened on and 
me leaning into the relationship was me leaning into the trust, me instilling trust, me gifting you trust, and starting to offer up pieces of myself from behind the mask that I hadn't shown to anyone and starting to be more vulnerable with you and let you into my shadow and let you into my struggle and invite you into my own recovery process so that you could see me fully also so that I could experience you leaning in closer time and time again when I was readying myself for abandonment. Mm -hmm. And so by testing myself, I was able to witness this beautiful human being loving me no matter what I told him about my past, no matter what I told him about my present, no matter what I told him about my compulsions or behaviors or fears. Mm -hmm. And as long as we had that unconditional love, then suddenly there was unconditional safety and belonging. And then we were okay to sit on a couch and talk about the things we were both most scared to talk about. Mm. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I think that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when we were first exploring, diving into everything, for me, I was a the person that always needed to understand, like I, I need to understand this. So I would ask a lot of questions when she was starting to share very vulnerable things. Mm. And I'm curious if there were pieces of that that were actually triggering. Totally. Yeah. For sure. Too many questions can be re-traumatizing, <laughs> yeah. right? It makes a victim feel like they're having to justify how they feel about something, yeah. right? Like I'm having to justify why being raped affected me. Right. Whereas it's more so, Hey baby, I really need to talk about this and how it affected me and the impact and how I view the world now and how I view myself and intimacy. And I just need you to listen and hold space with me. Yeah, that's, and, that's perfect because that's yeah. exactly. So what I was going to say is that for me, it was a very shifting to more of a, a spiritual track of, of healing and working through all of this because it really was trying to find that peace mm -hmm. that passes all understandings. Cause mm -hmm. I'm never going to truly understand the depths of her trauma. And for me, I need to be okay with that. I need to be, I need to not be the person that's trying to understand everything, intellectualize everything, because actually, you know what? You're never going to be able to know because it wasn't your experience. And for me, that was the thing that I have to continue to come back to even now. Like even now when we have certain ruptures and she's dealing with stuff with her family right now, which has been a lot of the foundation to everything that we're working for. It's like, well, I, I might, I'm never going to understand that. And I have to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's part of like the beauty of the, like the masculine feminine dynamic, right? It's like what you described before is like the feminine knowing that it's okay to show all of itself before the masculine. So the masculine can say, I accept you, mm -hmm. you know, like you are seen and the way that you are is more than okay. You know, it's beautiful. And what I hear you saying is like l having to like learn to step more fully into that place of the masculine to be like, okay, I am anxious about this situation as fuck because I can't seem to figure out this problem of how do I help you, you know, through this shit. And then you learning, it almost sounds like 
more grounding mm -hmm. and more stability and more presence to just be with mm -hmm. whatever it is that she was sharing. Yeah. And I've been, I've, I'm the person that's been in control my entire life. Everything that I've wanted to do as, as you've understood from some of our conversations was I need to build, build, build. I need to achieve, achieve, achieve. And by doing so, I'm in control. Mm. The first time that I was ever broken up with in my entire life was her. <laughs> She's laughing. And like, I was like, I was like, fuck you. But I needed that. Like I needed that because, because my entire life has been me being in control in some way, shape, form or, or another. And man, like even, even, even months earlier this year, I had been like, well, well, you you broke up with me and this and that, and then now I now I sit back and I look at that and I'm like, and you needed it, buddy, uh -huh. and you needed it, and you needed to not be recreating the same pattern that you've had your entire life because if you do, well, you're never going to work through the reason that you need you the things that you need to. Mm -hmm. So. I hate you, but I love you so, I so much. I know. I know. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> we're off to a good start. I like that. <laughs> so, um, so you had to lean in mm -hmm. to letting him, you'd lead into letting him love you or to accepting his love fully. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Both really. I had to first, I had to allow him to love me because I was pushing back so much before thinking that I wouldn't be worthy. And if I let myself even open up to the idea of being loved like this, what's going to happen when he sees all of the skeletons that I'm hiding, then he's definitely going to leave. So first I had to actually accept the fact that he wanted to love me. I had to let him love me. And then I had to let myself fully experience and embody that love. Mm. Wonderful. And what did you have to lean into, Joe? Letting go. Like letting go to have, like letting go to get closer. It's like this, like, well, how is that supposed to work? But that's what I've needed to do is just, just let go, mm -hmm. let go and trust the process. And for the longest time, like in my journal, when we were struggling the most, the beginning, the end of last year, the beginning of this year, I literally just over and over again wrote trust and surrender, trust and surrender, like surrender to the process and trust that Lo is in her own process. And she's doing this for a reason. Mm. Like she's working through everything that she's working through. So in the future, so on the other side of it, you guys can come closer together. And that was, I had no idea what that looked like when it first started. Yeah. Wonderful. I mean, it sounds like there was like a lesson in letting go of control for both of you. 100%. You know? Yeah. And so what was that journey like for you? Because I think for a lot of guys, they kind of get into a relationship. You know, they have the barn doors sort of blown off of their heart. And all of a sudden they're like, okay, I have to let go of control. Like what, what in your life did you notice shift after that? Mm. Wow. Mm -hmm. I showed up as a better leader, as a better business owner, mm. as somebody who needed to, uh, as somebody who started to recognize how I was showing up in every aspect of my life. Mm. It wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, I'm like this in relationship and I'm like this in, in running a business. I'm like this in every piece of my life. And I started knowing, noticing that in some of the people that I, that I employ mm. and seeing that, okay, you want to call it micromanaging what, 
It's fucking controlling. Like you're <laughs> controlling and you're not trusting that people can do what they are capable of, but you also first need to communicate and you need to communicate very clearly because you have expectations in your head. And what I've been continually coming back to now is the happiness equals reality minus expectations. And so for me, we always have these, all humans have grandiose expectations in every situation of life. And for me, I noticed that I put expectations on every single person around me and in business, I was doing it so, so much more than I actually realized. Mm. And while working through everything that we were working through, stuff started to not go well at my business. I was crumbling in my business as a leader, as a CEO. And I was saying, whoa, like I could, I could project, which I did for a while. Like I'm having all of these issues. I'm projecting it because I'm going through this. I just had to start looking at myself. Mm. And for the longest time, it was just, it was, it was pointing fingers. And as we've talked about earlier today, it was, you know, in April, March of this year, I really, really started looking at myself because I saw not only an intimate relationship had a massive rupture, but I saw other people that I was in relationship with, whether they were employees or friends or family or family members reflecting something similar, not the exact same, but just reflecting something and noticing, oh, I have like this distance between certain people and I don't have this actual connection and trust in, in everybody, but it was actually, did I actually trust myself? Mm. And that was what I had to start working through a lot because for the longest time I was just projecting and it was easy to do it at the time. It was easy to do it because, Oh, look at, look at low. She relapsed and she's at treatment for her eating disorder. And she broke up with me and people around me are saying, look at all the red flags, look at all the red flags. I could have listened to that and I could have ran with it, but I, I didn't because I knew I saw low, I saw low, I saw low behind everything that was coming to fruition in our relationship. And I knew that for me to get to where she was going, Mm -hmm. I had to do the work as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And from what you know now, like in hindsight, where do you feel like that sense of control came from? Like, what was that protecting you from? Really not being abandoned. Mm. I mean, it goes way back to my childhood. My dad was an airline pilot and he was gone all the time. And when he was gone, I was, I was the man of the house. And then he would come home and I would feel like I was questioned. I was questioned in my ability to do anything. When in reality, what my dad was doing was he was actually just overcompensating for being gone and really, really loving me, but almost controlling like living life for me and controlling my life. And then I recognize that, well, I'm doing the exact same with everybody around me and everybody that works for me. And like that piece of you that gets so frustrated with your dad, well, look at how you're doing that as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot to all of that, but I started to recognize that it was like, wow, that was like, that was me and my father. That was our relationship. That was how our dynamic worked. And, and look at how much it frustrated you, man. Which got really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, you yeah, it's it's like those moments where we see 
the impact mm -hmm. that we're having on other people and we're like, oh, fuck, mm -hmm. like that right there. I know exactly what that feels like. Yeah. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so what led, what led, I'm going to shift maybe away from the relationship just for a minute, yeah. but what led to you going on this journey to, to, to start Cured? Yeah. So I've struggled with depression, bouts of depression my entire life. And in college, I was, I was the person that was drinking and partying and doing drugs five out of seven days a week and had come from a, an athletic background. I was the jock in high school. I was the person that everybody looked to that had it all together. And then in college, I just completely lost myself and I was living so far out of integrity mm -hmm. and I was studying to be an aerospace engineer. I had gotten a internship at Lockheed Martin on their NASA programs. And I was like building, building, building this facade. And then I was also what I called as just like I was giving my ego what it really needed because I was the person that was going to get the job and, and make the money. And I was living so far out of integrity in college. And I was on the verge of actually getting the job that I thought I wanted and was working so hard for and mm. got really depressed and suicidal and, and hit a massive rock bottom and left school and, ended up correcting things and ended up getting the job and ended up getting really interested in taking care of myself. And then found myself years later in the job that I thought I had, I wanted, had always wanted and was able to tell people I was doing something really cool. And I was just like, wow, I'm not getting filled up at all. Hmm. It was the, okay, I have everything I ever wanted and it's still not filling me up. So being in Colorado and the rise of the cannabis industry, I had always been super interested in being a part of raising consciousness on something that I firmly believed people misunderstood. And that's, that was the birth of cure. I said, I, I believe in this industry. I look back on my past when I was struggling the most and actually, you know what? cannabis use was, I can look at it now and very clearly say, not the problem. Hmm. And after years of being sober out of college, started to play around with it recreationally again. And then really was like, whoa, like it's not, it's not a recreational thing. This is, this has a high medicinal value to it and people need to know about it because it was starting to really, really help me with my anxiety. And I was getting being able to actually sleep and recover and really enhance my life. And I was like, you know what? There's a massive misconception here. I really hate my job. I'm stuck. I'm listening to Joe Rogan day after day. And he's telling me men are all living lives of quiet desperation. And I'm like, yep, you're <laughs> speaking to me, man. And I had a terrible boss there at the end of working at, uh, in the engineering field. And I said, you know what? The only thing that's that's holding me back is myself. I noticed myself slipping back into a depression again. Mm. And I realized it was all on myself to give myself permission to go explore something. So I dove into the the cannabis industry in a in a realm that is now exploded years later, but in the non-intoxicating realm of cannabinoids and how that those can actually help people with their health and wellness and anti-inflammatory response and 
living a better life. And that was the foundation of what I wanted to build with Cured. I said, hey, there's something that works for people. People have this this misconception around it and it needs to change. And I want to be the person to do it. And I want to do it through a health oriented and focused way. And we've pivoted many times mm-hmm. since two and a half years ago, but that's really what, what Cured is. It's a, it's a human performance and optimization company that's rooted in the belief of nature and what nature can do for us. We specifically started with cannabinoids, but what we're super interested now is in functional mushrooms and the future of mushrooms and all fungi, even psilocybin mushrooms and what that can do for people um, from a therapeutic standpoint. And that has been what Cured has been since day one is we want to change people's perspective on on nature and what can actually come from nature and help us. And uh, Cured's a bold word, right? But the thing is that it's a hard mission and we need to change our perspective. And that's what we've been doing over the last couple of years. So creating amazing products for people that are allowing them to be their best self and show up day to day and uh, getting rid of all the bullshit. So mm-hmm. I left a very comfortable career in engineering and made no money for quite some time, but I was the most filled up that I had ever been. And now we're here years later. And as we semi alluded to, I've been on the roller coaster of ups and downs, but it's, it's, it's a passion project of mine to really have an impact in this world and to help people change their idea on on what we should actually be talking about and using for ourselves to enhance this life. So where do you see the, cause I think like the cannabis industry is just exploding, mm-hmm. right? Like you know, I'm from Vancouver where it's been sort of legal for a long time. Like right. you could walk in and buy it for medicinal purposes, but mm-hmm. that was, you know, you could walk in and be like, I have headaches and they'd be like, okay, here you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Venice boardwalk. Right, right, same right, thing, right. right. But now it's like, you can just walk in and get it. Like it's not, you know, it's, it's completely not, maybe not completely, but from my understanding, it's completely legalized in Canada. Yeah. And so there's dispensaries and you can go in and I think it's very interesting because the stigma about cannabis is, is still there. And, you know, the interesting thing is that most people that, that use it, you know, I've worked with a few guys that are like, oh yeah, I think like I have a problem with cannabis. Like, I think I have a problem with smoking weed. It's like, I don't think you have a problem with smoking weed. I think you have a bad relationship and you, it's like porn, right? It's like 100%. You probably use it when you want to numb out mm-hmm. rather exactly. than using it to deepen in. As yes. And, it's the in- intentionality behind the use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that consistently. Are you using it, like you said, to check out? Or are you using it to check in? Are you avoiding? Or are you going inside and actually looking around and seeing what's there? How are you using this plant to serve you? Mm-hmm. Let, so let's talk about, let's just like pause on that and, and kind of go in on that. Because I think yeah. that's important. First off, how, like what happens within us when, uh, you know, like when we use cannabis, what happens within us that actually allows us to reflect and, and do some of these things that you're talking mm-hmm. about? You come into the present moment. Like, that's what it is. You slow the fuck down. And and that can happen in so many different ways. But really what's going on is you're becoming more and more present and you're slowing down and you're actually, you're, it's an enhancement of all senses. It's the, it's the slowing down of time. It's the enhancement of smell, taste, vision, uh, overall experience. And by doing that, by amplifying, by turning up the dial on your senses, you start to recognize so much that we don't even look at every single day. 
And that's for me is like, I, I love nothing more than sitting on a beautiful mountaintop and just using a little bit of cannabis and being like, wow, I, that tree looks different than, than when I'm not using cannabis or I, I noticed something in a way that I never did before. And it's really because I'm just becoming more and more present. Mm. There's a deepened appreciation. And I think one of the beautiful aspects of using a plant to create this type of consciousness, you start to understand that you are that plant. That plant is you. Mm-hmm. You are nature. And so there's a connectedness to it. When you are looking at the world and you're looking at yourself, you're looking at whomever you're with in the room, there's a an expansive understanding of how you and your surroundings are interplaying to create this beautiful divine connection. And one of the metaphors or the examples that you and I love talking about in terms of what it's like to dip into something when you are under the influence, it feels as though you're listening to your favorite song and it's maybe it's a song that you've listened to for decades and you know every single word and you could sing it without even listening to it in the background. You just know it by heart. But when you're under the influence and you're using it in a conscious way as a tool to create deeper introspection and deepened connection, you listen to that same song and you're hanging on every word. You're hanging on every tone, every melody, every beat, and there's a newness to it. And you listen to it and you feel the music start to move through your body and settle in in a way where there's just an abundance of love for it. Every sensation is just, I mean, I've said the word a million times now, but deepened. Yeah. Every sensation is deepened. Yeah. Yeah. You, the first time you said that you, I was like, whoa, that's true. It is like listening to your favorite song and hearing your favorite song. And I think that that's the, that's the thing that we're talking about here is that there's so much, there's so many negative connotations about so many things in this world solely because there's a misunderstanding. People really don't understand things and then they don't talk about it. So it really just comes back to, hey, like, how do we have conversations around this? How do we educate people? How do we use it consciously? And how do we understand when we are numbing, when we're trying to escape? Because people can do that. Mm -hmm. And how are you using it to actually enhance your experience? And that's what that's what Cured is all about. Our the four pillars of our company are community, experience, products and education. And, and through those, that's what creates cured. We only make money off of one of those, right? But we bring people together. We educate around things we have an experience. We talk about how we live our lives day to day. How do we, how do we meditate? How do we, how do we become more and more introspective? How do we take care of our bodies? And then how do we supplement that? Because without that actual piece, the supplementation is never going to work. So so cured, you're never going to be cured of anything without actually doing everything else that you need to then have the support of a supplement. And that's a very broad kind of statement and, and kind of download of what cured is. But that's what's so important is like, how do we live this human experience to its ultimate potential? And how do we support it with what products? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. And even, and as you're talking through that, my... I mean, to use a personal example, we've talked about how I've been 
you know, moving into this new phase of recovery from various things. And these, these plants work to, if I, so smoking specifically, it downregulates my nervous system so that if I am, it's, it's say it's nighttime and I feel like I'm moving towards maybe a trauma episode or I'm having flashbacks or paranoia, I can't sleep. Smoking marijuana actually helps to come back down to baseline, move back into the parasympathetic, be able to ground, breathe so that I can then use the coping skills and I can then use all of the different grounding techniques. And I can then start to journal and look inside and dialogue with what's happening. So it's a tool. Same with the CBD. I use the CBD, the full spectrum raw caps to help with my anxiety. Again, it's a tool so that I am then supported in continuing to deepen how I'm interfacing with everything inside. And with, for the description that you gave, would you be using an indica or sativa or a hybrid? Indica. Yeah. yeah. Like we can, both get anxious from sativa. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can you maybe just give for the listeners like the, the difference between a sativa and an indica and then we'll talk about CBD? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the easiest way to think about it. And this is what my dad always uses. So everybody <laughs> should be able to understand it. Sativa, social, indica, in the couch. More I or less. love like, that. Like you want to relax, you use an indica. If you want to go out into a social situation and show up and, and enhance and be able to be talkative, use a sativa. And what we're learning is it's so much more than that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that that's one of the things that people go into a, a dispensary and that's what they ask is like sativa or indica hybrid, like what should I use? And then what it really comes down to is all the cannabinoids in the plant, all the terpenes, which are the aromatic parts, and how those all work synergistically and how you can actually express one cannabinoid over another to get a desired effect. Plus set and setting. Plus set and setting. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good, old, good old set and setting. Good old yeah. set and setting. So, uh, okay, good. So in in terms of like sativa and indica, like what are some of the uses that you find help to elevate people? Like if you're going to use a sativa, what do you use it to elevate an indica? What do you use it to elevate? Like, would you use an indica to go and, and like help your meditation practice? Would you use it for yoga? Would you use it for just like chilling out and watching music? Like Mm -hmm. what are some practical uses? Mm -hmm. I would, I honestly, I, I don't use sativas a lot, but when I do use them, it would be like, I'm out hiking, I'm running, I'm biking, I'm doing something where I'm actually like exerting a lot of energy when it comes to indica, like you nailed it on the head, meditating, sitting down, I would use more of like a hybrid, like a mix between the two. If I want to sit down and write or read, sometimes if it's too heavy of an indica, like I can't sit and process a book because I'm just like, whoa, this is heavy and it's actually slowing me down to where I need to be. And all I need to do is I need to lay down and just be. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it it really depends on the person um, and... It does depend on the person. It depends on their temperament and it depends on actually how their body responds to the terpenes and the cannabinoids and your own biochemical makeup. Mm -hmm. But hybrids definitely are wonderful for the creativity pursuit Um, the painting, the drawing, the connecting with music. Indica absolutely with the the down regulating and we love sativa for even dancing. 
right? Yeah. Going out and concert, dancing and surrendering to the music and feeling the music move through you and being able to connect with your body in an elevated way. Sativa is wonderful for that, that bliss factor. Yeah. It's so, it's just, it's just mind boggling to me with this world that we've lived in for so long where like that's an issue, but alcohol <laughs> is not an issue. Right. Like that's right. why, that's why we're here doing what we're doing at Cured because look at all the issues that alcohol create and so many other things when it comes to like, there are a time and place for a lot of pharmaceutical drugs and thank God for them. Because if we didn't have them, there would be a lot of people in a lot of pain at the time that they need it the most or at the wrong time. So Modern medicine, like, of course we need it, but it's way too easy for people to get. It's way too, it's, it's absolutely terrible the way that the pharmaceutical companies are in the pockets of the doctors. Like mm -hmm. that's just not okay. And somebody needs to do something about it. And nobody was questioning it for a very long time. And I think that the biggest thing was like, people are actually questioning it now and sitting back and being like, okay. Well, you see what's happening with like opioids, mm -hmm. like uh his on, um, I think it's called Patriot Act. It's a Netflix series. Mm -hmm. He did a whole episode on opioids and the opioid crisis. And, and the fact that um, like so many people were dying from fentanyl and, you know, there was like, one one town in the states that had something like 28 deaths within a 24-hour period from fentanyl because, oh damn yeah because a lot of the fentanyl is being uh sorry a lot of the heroin that people are using is now being laced with fentanyl and it only takes like a tiny 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 like microscopic amount to like kill a human being like it's so powerful but the whole thing that he was showing was how the drug industry like how the pharmaceutical the pharma industry basically is like manipulating the medical system mm -hmm. to 100%. get doctors to prescribe these drugs that people don't need, mm -hmm. right? And so people are getting these highly addictive drugs mm -hmm. with no follow-up mechanism in place to make sure that they're not getting hooked on them. Mm -hmm. And in, in many circumstances, they don't need them. And so it was interesting because he talked about it and he talked about how some of the pharma companies are getting sued, but then he talked about how it's not ending because they've come out with a new drug that is something like a hundred times more powerful than fentanyl, which is just mind boggling, like mind boggling. So it, it is, it is interesting because then you have a plant that grows in the ground that, you know, is not, not toxic, right? That's, that's uh, a very different compound. So how do you differentiate like to the, to the person that, you know, grew up in the era where cannabis has been largely bad mouth and deteriorated and eroded? How do you sort of like make the health case for for cannabis? Because I think a lot of people are like, I don't understand why people are talking about cannabis being a healthy uh, aspect of human life. Like, mm -hmm. where do you where do you go with that? I mean, the big thing is that each each and every human being has an endocannabinoid system. Like, it's it's always been there. We're just recently in the last five to ten years starting to study it. And what the endocannabinoid system is responsible for is a lot of just normal human bodily functions: sleep, wake cycle, mood, appetite. And okay, so so something that accepts cannabinoids is actually just something that is important to me functioning as a human being. And I need to regulate that system just like every other system in our body. We can be, we can have deficiencies in, in vitamin D, not getting enough sunlight, 
and it's and it's no different there. So that system and each cannabinoid interacts with that system differently, but exogenous cannabinoids are going to regulate that system inherently because it's an endocannabinoid system. So the fact that that's the case, people need to start understanding that and saying, okay, well, okay, is that true? Yes, it is true. And if I don't want to get high, if I don't want to use THC, what are the other options? And that's where CBD and the other cannabinoids come in. Mm -hmm. CBD is non-intoxicating. I would call it psychoactive because it does have the ability to change the way that your mind is working and calm you down. Some people actually see a response um, in becoming less anxious. So it is inherently psychoactive, but it's not intoxicating. And CBD and THC are just two of over really a hundred cannabinoids that are being studied and found in the cannabis plant right now. And each of them has is being looked at for something very specific. And we're only looking at two right now. And for the longest time, people just associated cannabis with one, which is THC, which gets you high. And so it's okay, well, there's a lot more going on here. And THC is one compound in the plant. And it's just like drugs, like opiates. Like when you take things from an opium plant and you concentrate it down into one molecule, then it can be used in a very different way. Mm. Whereas I say, hey, look at the whole plant and understand that each of these constituents have an actual benefit and you can use them in a specific way in combination with the other pieces of the plant that is not going to actually get you high and it could have a great anti-inflammatory response. And just like people understand that it's good to not have a bunch of inflammation, some inflammation is good, some is bad, but like we don't want to live an inflammatory lifestyle. So if we just look at it from that, knowing that it has anti-inflammatory properties, well, what could actually come from that? And there's a lot that, that could come from that. So that's what I try and tell people is it's, hey, it's an alternative for something that, uh, something that could take away a lot of misunderstanding around, oh, why do I use Advil all the time? Or why do I use all these other things? Like it's another option. And I think that the most important thing is for people to understand that there's right now no real known side effects and that it's very, very safe. So it's worth trying. Mm -hmm. And if we think about the overprescription of medications, you know, over-the-counter medications, things you'll need a script for, and we look at the different products that you're creating through Cured, not just with CBD, but also introducing those functional mushrooms, looking at the Rise and Zen products and Rise being used for focus and clarity. And you look at all of the overuse of Adderall, right? And now you have this natural product that creates this intense focus, but it's coming from plants. It's coming from constituents that your body loves. Same thing with Zen. So many people are over-prescribing Ambien and taking Ambien for years and years and years. And suddenly you have this product that's mushrooms and cannabinoids and magnesium, like all of these wonderful things for your body, these healthy, healthy things for your body that produce the same effect that you're searching for from a chemical that's addictive. Yes. I mean, it's really interesting to see as a lot of this research and um, just like a lot, yeah, a lot of the data comes out on things like psilocybin and cannabis. 
and sort of seeing like, you know, the fact that our body actually produces DMT mm-hmm. in its natural mm-hmm. form mm-hmm. and very in like pineal much, gland. Yeah. yeah, you know, in the pineal gland, but in very small amounts. And then the fact that, you know, mushrooms carry that and that's what creates the the psychoactive uh, journey yeah. <laughs> that people yeah. go on when they we you know when they when they take mushrooms and so it's very interesting to see that there's you know it, it shows how almost like how far we've gone from nature <laughs> that yeah. we're so disconnected that we've forgotten what basic nature functions can do for us mm-hmm. you know and and there I almost see this like resurgence of this not tribal form of living but this ancient form of knowledge and wisdom that we carried around for a very long time, making its comeback through the people, right? Through people like you that are making sure that legislation goes through and making sure that the research happens to say like, hey, you know, like we understand that you're concerned about this society. Let's make sure that we do this the right way. And, and it has been done the right way. Right. And I mean, Joe Rogan talked about the fact that the cannabis industry is blowing up because people are making it happen. Not the government, mm-hmm. not businesses, but people are making it happen. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, we, <laughs> like, I feel like we could talk about this for like <laughs> hours. That's, that's my mission. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I feel like I'm going to definitely have you, you both back on, um, maybe we can talk about trauma and, yeah. and we can dig, we can dig deeper into, uh, into cannabinoids. Um, but for people that just want to learn a little bit more about you individually and, and cured, where do they go? Yeah. So, uh, Instagram is, is the, uh, center of all things. Uh, Joseph Sheehy on Instagram, S-H-E-E-H-E-Y. And then Cured Nutrition has its own Instagram. You can find the website and all the good stuff from there. And, and uh, then CuredNutrition.com. Yes. And then course. the Cured Collective. Cured Nutrition has their own podcast. And they do wonderful education on the podcast. They have experts on. They go into all of the details that consumers need to start bridging that gap. Mm. And then we have our podcast, The Joe Low Show. And I'm low, so low.bondi on Instagram. And then I have my own blog for all my writing, and that's lovegrown.me. Awesome, you too. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for opening up in the beginning about yeah. the relationship. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's probably going to be called Couples and Cannabis. I, I, oh, love, I it. love it. I love it. So I feel like we we had very like two yeah. different yeah. episodes in one, but this was Beautiful. amazing. So uh, for everyone that's out there, we'll have the links in the show notes for that. Make sure you go check that out. Uh, and, and don't forget to rate and subscribe. Leave a rating and review for us. Uh, on whatever platform you're on. And until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off. Mm-hmm.